Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Friday edition of the John Sanchez Show podcast. The following program is sponsored by Sanchez Wealth Management. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Further information is available by contacting John at SanchezWealthManagement.com or by calling 800-1801. John Sanchez is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Independent Financial Group, LLC, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA at SIPC. Securities only offered in states John Sanchez is registered in. Now, the John Sanchez Show on News Talk 780-KOH. Good evening and welcome to the Friday edition of the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780-KOH. Could possibly be the uh, last edition of the Solo Jason Gaunt Show, too, as uh, my good friend John Sanchez is due back next week. I am thrilled. Uh, It's been a blast, uh, but I know you'll all be very, very happy to hear his voice again. But uh, we had a nice market today that did finish darn near on its highs. Uh, But uh, out of the gate, we tried to test the lows. We got a slew of economic information today. We got the Fed's favorite PCE today. Uh, And uh, the number came in, I would say, better than expected, certainly on the inflation front. And we'll go through some of that data. And the market's sort of ho-hum reaction early on was more so the fact that durable goods orders were a little bit lighter than expectation, as I've been talking about. I think this market has pivoted to the fact that it's more concerned about a recession now than it is about the Fed raising rates. And the reaction early on really held uh, held true uh, is because you heard a lot of ho-humming and concerning that, oh, no, these these numbers may be sl- showing that the consumer is slowing, and that's not what we want to see, where it's just so ironic that a month ago, we couldn't wait for them to slow down in order for the Fed to, to, to taper or, or at least cut their pace of rate hikes. And uh, we finally got that 50 basis points down from 75 with the thought we get another 25 in February. But now the markets are starting to be more concerned about a economic slowdown from the numbers. But when all was said and done, we did uh, see what is, again, it feels like it changes every year. But the first day of the Santa Claus rally, Dow closed higher by 176 points or 0.53% to 33203. The S&P was higher by 22 points or 0.59% to 3844 and the Nasdaq was higher by 22 points or 0.21% to 10497. Gold was higher by $10 today, 1806. It was about uh, 60 basis points higher and oil up 2.4%. That thing's been on a tear for the last 2 weeks as there's been concern about Russia cutting production, etc. and that has been a tailwind for oil that got oversold certainly as the fear of recession kicked in and then the fear of less supply kicked in. And that's really a lot of the fight that we've seen in oil throughout this entire year. I think that's going to continue into 2023 for sure, given the geopolitical. There was some headlines today about uh, uh, 
President Putin claiming that Russia wanted to end the war with Ukraine and find a diplomatic solution. I didn't hear much more about it after that headline, but that was according to Reuters. That would be nice. But again, what is a diplomatic solution? And at this point, given that uh, Patriot missiles are being shipped over Ukraine, I think that timing is sort of interesting for that statement. But uh, we shall see. So I mentioned oil production cuts. It sounds like they may cut production by 500 to 700,000 barrels a day, according to Bloomberg. That's what the line was there. And that has been a little bit of the tailwind that we saw today for oil. Mentioned we got a lot of data. We saw personal income. That was higher by four-tenths month over month in November. Personal spending was up one-tenth. Both of these were in line with expectations. We'll sort of throw those to the side. The PCE price index was up just one-tenth month over month. And the core PCE, which excludes food and energy, was up two-tenths. And both of those were lower than expectation year over year. It implied inflation up 5.5% from 6.1% in October. That is certainly deceleration. And that core number is at 4.7%. It's that core PCE that the Fed follows versus 5% in October. So I threw threw it out there before that when inflation gets above 6% historically, uh, it takes on average a little over 10 years to get back under 2%. It's nice to see the trajectory, but I think the next 2-3% is going to be pretty darn hard uh, to get to given wage continues to be a pressure point for the markets. Durable goods orders, as I mentioned, that was the part that the market was slightly concerned about. Headline durable goods declined 2.1% month over month. Not the time you'd normally see that. I guess people aren't buying refrigerators and washing machines for, for Christmas presents, but that is a sort of year, uh, a month-over-month number versus a consensus of down one-tenth. And uh, you've got, however, ex-transportation, durable goods were up two-tenths of a percent. So a lot of slowdown in automotive spending, things along those lines. Clearly, as we've seen, prices have come down. Tesla, Ford, GM, a lot of the automakers have been in a tremendous amount of pressure, Tesla the most, but the automakers in general have seen a massive slowdown in traffic and folks uh, purchasing vehicles. That very much shows up inside of that durable goods number. And again, the proxy for business spending, which is non-defense capital good orders, were up just two-tenths. Whereas that really is a, a, a slowing in that space. That factors into GDP, and that uh, shows a decline, really. So you know, we got a GDP number that was 3.2% for Q3, which was better than expected, sort of freaked the markets out a little bit. But this does at least show on the PCE side that there is some deceleration uh, going into Q4. We got new home sales today. They increased 5.8% month over month in November. That's a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 640,000 homes. On a year-over-year basis, that's still down 15.3%, but it was an improvement for from October, given the fact that we talked with Corey last night, Corey Edge of Edge Realty, about the fact that rates have come in. They were off of their highs. Interest rates for mortgages were rather around the seven and a half level at their peak and have come down to almost 6%. There's been whispers of five handles on mortgage rates and that has caught 
a, a, a little bit of a push, a little tailwind behind some of the home purchases, et cetera. So uh, uh, seeing that new home sale number increase, I'd say is a good thing, right? We're trying to uh, uh, slow down the home purchasing lower prices without a free fall. And I think at least seeing a little bit of an acceleration is a positive right now, but you're still seeing affordability pressures because prices still need to come down just in to, to, to get into a even remotely comfortable range as far as affordability for lower income buyers. And finally, we got the University of Michigan consumer uh, sentiment number, which was good. It was 59.7, a little bit better than expectation. And it has improved. And inside of that report, they cited that inflation pressures have slowed uh, uh, or or at least uh, waned a little bit, given you've seen the prices at the pump come down. You've seen the prices at grocery stores slightly come down. Clearly, some of the inputs into homes and things along those lines, like lumber, have come down. So that goes into that sentiment survey because they do pick at them as to why they're happy, why they're sad. Uh, And inflation uh, decelerating was uh, cited as one of the big reasons, at least for that confidence number. Name that hasn't been very confident lately, I mentioned Tesla. Stock's been under a lot of pressure uh, over the last month or so. It's really accelerated, clearly for a couple different reasons. Elon Musk selling has been one of the principal reasons, but he did say in an interview that he will not sell Tesla shares for 18 to 24 months, if you believe that, and buybacks will depend on the economy. Uh, not sure that they're in a position right now to be buying back, but I mentioned the other day that they were doing price cuts, about $700 or $7,500 for Model 3, Model Y, and that came on the back of recent negative comments as far as demand, et cetera, which were uh, causing the need for price cuts overseas. So that space in general has been under a lot of pressure. I mentioned Ford and uh, uh, GM are were not immune to the sell-off that uh, Tesla has been dealing with, but it's infinitely more expensive than GM and Ford. We're talking these things trade at five, six times earnings where Tesla is at, I believe, 25 or 30 times at this point, down from a hundred times, <laughs> uh, I believe it was a hundred times sales uh, uh, earlier earlier at its peak. But at least from an earnings standpoint, it's closer to 25, 30 times, I do believe, which is still 5X as expensive as a GM or Ford. Clearly a different story. They're not just a a, a one-trick pony as far as vehicles are concerned, but I still think there's a lot of hope in that story, at least where it's valued now. But that's how growth companies work, right? Amazon was incredibly expensive uh, uh, years ago from a valuation standpoint, and they grew somewhat into their multiple. Unfortunately, they've had a lot of contraction this year with the weakness of Amazon from an overspend, but also they have a huge cloud business. And while that was the the gem and the darling for a long time as to Amazon itself, guess what? Cloud stocks are down 60 to 70% this year, right? So Amazon wouldn't be immune from the happiness on the way up. It, it, it certainly isn't going to be immune from the pain on the way down. And I think that's another reason why that stock's been under pressure. Well, it, uh, the tailwind of this infinitely spending consumer and uh, Amazon being the best place for anyone to go to buy anything instantaneously, as well as this burgeoning cloud business, 
was a great story when multiples were expanding, but on a drawdown, when you're worried about the consumer slowing, oh, and business spending slowing, unfortunately, Amazon looks uh, has to deal with the flip side. And that is the great part about investing, right? You got to sort of understand the story and poke holes in it uh, uh, because things change. <laughs> what, what becomes a tailwind very quickly becomes a headwind, and these things will be tailwinds again. This is a cycle. Markets are cyclical. Uh, uh, they don't go to zero. And uh, they don't go, like I always say, trees don't grow to the sky either. You need to make sure that you're keeping a close eye on these things because you can't fall in love with many of these investments because of the fact that there will be cycles to them. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. Today, the Dow closed higher by 176 points or 0.53% to 33203. The S&P was higher by 22 points or 0.59% to 3844 in the NASDAQ, up 22 points or 0.21%, 10,497. Gold was higher by 0.60% to 1806, and oil was higher by 2.4% to 7935. Seen a lot of weakness in the dollar over the last month and a half as the Fed signaled they were slowing their rate hikes and overseas markets continue their more torrid pace, given that they're playing catch up a little bit to where our Fed has lifted their interest rates to. But there is some seasonality involved with the dollar into typically January, February, March, where the dollar tends to be stronger for a myriad of reasons. So keep an eye on that. International markets have outperformed. Emerging markets have outperformed the U.S. over the last month and a half or so. So uh, expect a little bit of a potential reversal, stronger dollar into next year. Just uh, uh, as a highlight, uh, had been talking about it quite a bit. So I just wanted to get that out there so people keep a keen eye for any sort of reversal there. Again, just looking at seasonality. Some of the uh, data for the year so far, you have the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 8.6%. The S&P 500 is down 19.3% for the year. The Russell 2000 Small Caps down 21.6%. And the NASDAQ down 32.9% year to date. Pretty uh, heavy overall. A uh, little reminder that uh, markets are closed on Monday for the Christmas holiday. Looking at some of the news items today, again, as I mentioned earlier, President Putin claiming that Russia does want to end the war with Ukraine and find a diplomatic solution. But at the same time, there were comments today about them lowering their daily oil production by 500,000 to 700,000 barrels a day. Again, this is according to Bloomberg. China, as we've talked about quite a bit, and the supply chain constraints and the fact that they've done a myriad of lockdowns and we're hoping that COVID would just sort of fly over them uh, and the rest of the world would would gain their herd immunity and it would be unnecessary. Unfortunately, they're dealing with a lot of COVID infections now. The numbers, according to Bloomberg, are 37 new uh, million new uh, uh, patients every day uh, is what uh, uh, their infection rates at least have been quoted at. Uh, you know, And so that's going to hopefully in the long run get to a herd immunity stance. It was nice sort of walking around today thinking that by and large that is in the rearview mirror, right? That's one of the things certainly we dealt with in the last couple years and part of 2022 had some COVID pressure to it. Uh, uh, and it's going to highlight in the next, uh, after the next break, some of the other changes that took place in 2022. 
But uh, yeah, it's 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 going to continue to be a bit of a, a headwind as far as China reopening. But then the concern is, does it become more of a, 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 a tailwind to inflation once everything gets back to normal over there? Time will tell. Mentioned the winter storm, obviously, once talking about it's over a million people have already lost power due to this current winter storm. Seems like it's going to be a couple days uh, as far as uh, getting a good handle on how much sort of economic pressure that's going to be domestically. But travel, obviously, is a, a, a big focus. And Boeing, speaking of travel, they, they uh, uh, have been talking about some issues as far as their uh, supply chain and you know uh, finally that stock has gotten back uh, uh, in the right part of the market it was sort of hated for a long period of time given all of the issues around the 737 and the seven even 787 uh, but uh, it's come roaring back uh, uh, for sure I mean obviously it's a, a a big constituent inside the Dow but you know stocks only down six percent for the year but they mentioned their South Carolina plant is being slowed due to parts delays and that is something that you know, again, could uh, put pressure on that stock uh, after it has had a pretty torrid run uh, over, you know, last couple months. It was uh, trading around the 150 level, you know, about a month and a half ago, and now it's darn near 200 uh, the other day. A little bit, lo- little bit higher today. It was up 43 basis points to 189.06. FedEx also, again, with all the issues is with the holiday storm, they've talked about delays. Meta today announced they're going to be settling uh, the, the Cambridge Analytica saga. They're going to be paying $725 million to settle that privacy lawsuit, according to Bloomberg. Speaking of Bloomberg, News Corp. Sounds like uh, Michael Bloomberg is interested in an acquisition of Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post. Didn't know that Amazon was a seller, but uh, uh, those look like uh, two acquisition targets for Michael Bloomberg, according to Axios here in the new year. Mentioned uh, Tesla, a couple little news items here before the break. I mentioned Tesla. I mentioned the uh, 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 buyback, but they are more so the non-buyback, the non-selling for 18 to 24 months. But Taiwan Semi has been uh, tapped, according to Tesla, uh, to be a major chip supplier for them into uh, the next couple years. And Taiwan Semi says they're going to be opening another plant. Remember, they're going to be opening one in Arizona. They're actually going to open one in Europe as well, according to the Financial Times. And then finally, Uber, the IRS is going to delay their gig work tax reporting requirements for another year, according to Wall Street Journal. Obviously, that's been a bit of a lightning rod around uh, gig workers and whether they have to to be taxed as full-time employees or not. And I think that's going to continue to be uh, something that is a lightning rod for both sides. Uh, It's a lot of tax income that states and municipalities are not seen, given that Uber does have the ability to sort of skate around some of those taxes uh, 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 as far as uh, uh, payroll taxes, et cetera, because of, you know, temporary versus full time. But uh, uh, that'll come home to roost, I think, more on a federal level at some point, sort of, you know, much as, again, not something I want to get into tonight, talking about taxation of, of all folks who are working in this economy, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, this great country was built on uh, the back of lots of new minds and lots of new ideas. Hopefully we can figure out a way to, uh, to, to, to tax all those minds and ideas that are, that are coming in. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. This is Jason Gaunt. 
Today, the Dow closed higher by 176 points or 0.53%. The S&P was higher by 22 points or 0.59%. And the NASDAQ was higher by 21 points or 0.21%, all closing at or near their highs after uh, being pretty red earlier in the day. It was nice to see that feedback uh, 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 more risk on than risk off into the bell. So I had an article from The Economist where they went through and highlighted some of the major themes for 2022, and I wanted to uh, read that to you guys, and uh, uh, I thought it was a, a nice little synapse of some of the higher, higher points uh, of this low year. Financial markets' nastiest surprises often come when something that is taken for granted is suddenly called into question. Whether it's rising tulip bulb prices, functioning banks, or a lockdown-free existence, investors had a tough time in 2022. But given how many trends changed direction over the course of the year, the real surprise is that it was not nastier. Here was the most important reversals. The end of cheap money. Future financial historians looking back at the 2010s will marvel that people really thought interest rates would stay near zero forever. Even in 2021, respectable investment houses were publishing articles with titles such as The Zero, Why Interest Rates Will Stay Low. Borrowing costs have been falling for decades. The combination of the global financial crisis of 2007 through 2009 and the COVID-19 pandemic seem to have permanently glued them to the floor. In 2022, persistent high inflation dissolved the glue. America's Federal Reserve embarked on its swiftest tightening cycle since the 1980s, raising the target range for its benchmark interest rate by more than four percentage points to four and a quarter to four and a half percent. Other central banks followed in its wake. Markets expect rates to complete uh, to continue climbing in 2023 with peaks between four and a half and five and a half in Britain and America and three and a half and 3.5 or three and three and a half in the Eurozone. But the odds of them collapsing back to nothing are slim. The Fed's governors, for instance, think its rate will finish 2023 above 5% before settling down to around 2.5% in the longer run. The era of free money is over. Death of the long bull market. Bull markets don't die of old age, goes the adage. They are murdered by central banks. And so it was in 2022. Although the long bull run that ended had grown older than most, From the post-financial crisis depths of 2009 to its peak at the end of 2021, the S&P 500 index of leading American shares rose by 600%. Interruptions to the upward march, such as the sudden drop at the outset of the pandemic, were dramatic but short-lived. This year's crash has proved lasting. The S&P 500 fell by a quarter to its lowest point this year in mid-October and remains down 20%. MSCI's index of global shares has fallen by 20% as well. Nor are stocks the only asset class to have been bludgeoned. Share prices have fallen in part because interest rates have risen. Raising the the returns on bonds and making riskier assets less attractive by comparison. The same mechanism pushed down bond prices to align their yields with prevailing rates. Indices combined, combined and compiled by Bloomberg, a data provider of global American and European emerging bonds have dropped by 16, 12, and 18% respectively. Whether or not prices fall further, the bull market and everything has come to a close. Evaporating capital. Capital was not just cheap in the last years of the bull market. 
it was seemingly everywhere. Central banks, quantitative easing programs devised through the financial crisis to stabilize markets went into overdrive during the pandemic. Together, the central banks of America, Britain, Euro area, and Japan pumped out more than $11 trillion of newly created money, using it to hoover up safe assets such as government bonds and depress their yields. This pushed investors in search of returns into more speculative corners of the market. In turn, these assets boomed. In the decade to 2007, American firms issued $100 billion of the riskiest high yield or junk debt a year. In the 2010s, they averaged $270 billion. In 2021, they hit $486 billion. This year, it has fallen by three quarters. The Fed and Bank of England have put their bond buying programs into reverse. The central, European Central Bank is preparing to do likewise. Liquidity is draining away. And not just from risky, the risky end of the debt market, initial public offerings, IPOs, smashed all records in 2021, raising $655 billion globally. Now American IPOs are set for their leanest since 1990. The value of M&A, mergers and acquisitions, has fallen too. Albeit less dramatically, capital abundance has turned to capital scarcity. Value beats growth. The bull run was dispiriting time for value investors who hunt for stocks that are cheap relative to their underlying earnings or assets. Low interest rates and QE, quantitative easing, fueled risk-taking, put this cautious approach firmly out of fashion. Instead, growth stocks, comprising explosive future profits at a high price compared with their often non-existent earnings, stormed ahead. From March of 2009 to the end of 2021, MSCI, uh, that's Morgan Stanley's Commodity Index, of global growth stocks rocketed by a factor of 6.4 more than twice the increase of the equivalent value index. This year, rising interest rates turned the tables. With rates at 1%, to have $100 in 10 years' time, you deposited $91 in a bank account today. With rates at 5%, you need only put away $61. I want to stop there. Oftentimes, people ask why rising interest rates matter for growth stocks versus value. And that's, a, that's sort of, uh, I've used the analogy of you know, Wimpy from uh, uh, Popeye, where I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Right? When interest rates were zero or 1%, uh, uh, you weren't going to earn anything on your money in a savings account. So you're willing to give it to a growth company or invest in a growth company with the hope that later uh, you would see earnings from them. Uh, uh, the, 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 the impetus to invest for growth is very, very strong. Well, when rates go up to 4%, like they are now, 5% in some areas, in a fairly uh, risk-free or low-risk environment, that paradigm changes. Uh, you can make money on your money. You're less apt, the market's less apt, to let someone free ride on their money. Uh, that's why value outperformed growth, because these companies that pay dividends, that give you cash in order to invest and gain from compounding returns become more exciting to investors. It also gets blurred inside of that whole risk 
trade of, oh my gosh, technology is risky, it's expensive, I'd rather own staples and things that are less risky, less volatile from an earnings standpoint. But there's also a fair amount of that dividend flow, that stability of you getting some of your money back now and compounding uh, returns. So I just I, I think that was a good line there that showed that with rates at 1%, you have $100 in 10 years time, you have to put 91 in a bank account today. With rates at 5%, you need to only put away $61 to have $100 in the same time frame. The end of cheap money shortens investors' horizons, forcing them to prefer immediate profits to those in the distant futures. Growth stocks are out. Value is back in vogue. And finally, crypto implodes again. Those who think crypto is good for nothing but gambling and dubious activities could not hope for a better example than the fall of FTX. The crypto exchange was also supposedly the industry's respectable face, run by Sam Bankman-Fried, a 30-year-old philanthropist and political donor. Yet in November, the firm collapsed into bankruptcy, with some $8 billion of customer funds missing. American authorities now call it a massive years-long fraud. Mr. Bankman-Fried has been arrested and faces criminal charges. If convicted, he could spend the rest of his life in jail especially with the fact that his two confidants turned on him and uh, they are uh, going to be testifying against him. FTX's downfall marked the bursting of crypto's most recent bubble. At its peak in 2021, the market value of all cryptocurrencies was almost $3 trillion, up from nearly $800 billion at the start of the year. It has since fallen back to about $800 billion. Like so much else, the affair's roots lie in the era of cheap, abundant money and the anything-goes mentality it created. So stopping there, thinking of crypto again, uh, uh, not even wanting to cast dispersions on it. Uh, it's so, uh, I still very much feel that the technology around crypto, blockchain, etc., cetera, uh, are going, uh, that area is going to spawn the next Google, Microsoft, Tesla those types of companies that are transformational to how we uh, conduct our financial affairs. No pitch at all on any of the coins or any of that sort of stuff. Again, do any sort of research on your side, but the technology that flies from this area is going to be a, a, a wonderful place to be picking from, in my opinion, uh, for the next big growth company. But again, these are all going to be, just like we talked about earlier, investments right? You're going to have to ride the highs and lows to ultimately find the next Microsoft or Google or Amazon. Uh, 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 and uh, it, there will be uh, a lot of uh, pets.coms, uh, et cetera, along the way. It's, that's the, the, the fun part about the markets, right? You're not always going to be right, uh, but the joy and the, the, the happiness from picking the right horse is amazing. Right, but uh, uh, you know, unfortunately, free money and low, low uh, uh, hurdles to, uh, you know, uh, invest is what spawned a lot of the things that I mentioned in this story about growth and crypto and capital being rampant. And that comes out. That's what the Fed's doing. They're trying to remove liquidity from these markets in order to bring down inflation. And all assets were inflated. Equity market uh, uh, was not immune from that. But uh, I thought that was a good write-up, certainly, to give us a nice little wrap on 2022. And here's to an amazing 2023. I'm excited for it to start. Welcome back to the John Sanchez Show here on News Talk 780 KOH. 
Today, the Dow closed higher by 176 points, or 0.53%, to 33,203. The S&P back above that 3,800 level, up 22 points, or 0.59%. And uh, the NASDAQ was up 22 points, or 0.21%. Certainly the lagger this week, uh, but did close in the green. Gold continues its strength, you know, hovering above that 1,800 level, which has been resistance and now support. And oil at 79.35, it was up 2.4%. Did get above the $80 level here intraday, but did uh, close below. Energy sector has been the darling this year. It's really the only sector in the S&P 500 to be in the green for the year. Notably, uh, that's amazing that only energy up about 55% this year. Utilities coming in in second place. They're just down about a percent, the sector that I track, the ETF that I track, consumer staples, and then healthcare. Those were the four strongest horses this year. Weakest communication services, the Facebooks, the Meta, as you know, Google. Consumer discretionary, which is Amazon, Tesla, real estate, and technology. Those were your dogs as far as the S&P 500 was concerned. So next week, as I mentioned, the bond and stock markets will be closed for the Christmas holiday domestically as well as internationally. Most of the markets are closed overseas on Monday. On Tuesday, we will get retail inventories as well as wholesale inventories. Those will be out in the morning as well as the housing price index, FHFA. Case Schiller, this is one that I like, the home price index. This takes sort of a basket of homes and looks at them month over month. We're looking for an up 10.4% year-over-year number from Case Shiller. That compares, again, the same basket to one year prior. We're still 10.4% higher. On Wednesday, we will get November pending home sales. That'll be, again, we had a really good home number today, but we will get pending home sales on Wednesday, as well as Thursday initial jobless claims looking for 216,000, continuing claims at 1.67 million. That is a flat number. Last week, we saw the same. So you didn't really see an escalation of continuing claims. They sort of flatlined. We'll get natural gas inventories. And then finally, Chicago PMI on Friday. Light volume week, as I mentioned, that Santa Claus rally typically is today through next week and then the first two days of January. I know it sounds like hocus pocus by and large as far as the rally and windows of strength and weakness. And overall, it's been a difficult year. This market has humbled most investors throughout the season. The the the, the tried and true value investors who decided they weren't going to chase the growth market for the last five to seven years look like goofballs throughout the whole time. And now they're doing their sort of victory dance, but again, are well behind a lot of the, uh, uh, you know, growth indices from start to finish. So it's, it's been a humbling year. As I've told many folks, unless you were hiding out in energy stocks this year, you had a difficult time as bonds had the worst year they've ever had. Some say 110 years. I'm going to just say ever being that interest rates went up over 400% from where they started the year. So the 60-40 portfolio will be back in vogue. You'll see folks who are very confident having that ballast point of bonds in their portfolio earning 
three and a half to five and a half percent in fairly quote unquote risk-free assets and having some equity exposure and legging into it throughout the year. It's going to be another choppy 2023. I can pretty much guarantee you that given the way that the economy has evolved, we will be digesting a recession in 2023 or close to it, right? This market has been in a recession this year. The economy, some pockets, sure, but the broad economy is going to start to digest the full, uh, I'd say, pill of the Fed rate hikes into next year. And we need to be prepared for it. Doesn't mean it's going to be a, a, a terrible game ender, but there will be volatility and that's why you tune into us. But uh, it's been a uh, very much a pleasure. I'm out next week, and I'm happy to uh, let you know that uh, the good man John Sanchez will be back, and hopefully I will get to be his idiot sidekick every once in a while. But uh, thank you all very much for the support and email I've gotten since uh, he's been on his leave. Uh, wish you all a very happy holiday and Merry Christmas. From the office at Sanchez Wealth, I am Jason Gaunt, News Talk 780-KOH. On air, online, on demand, News Talk 780-KOH. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.